Leadership beyond a definition. The boundless potential to engage, to encourage, uplift, and guide. Conversations about growth. Leadership Unscripted with Dr. Virginia Hardy. Hi, I'm your host, Virginia Hardy, and welcome to Leadership Unscripted, navigating your leadership journey. Joining me today is Mr. Robert Aston, businessman, co-founder, and previous CEO of Town Bank. Mr. Aston co-founded Town Bank in 1999 and helped it grow to become one of the biggest banks in Virginia and the largest regional bank in the Hampton Roads area. He was also very instrumental in bringing Town Bank to Greenville, North Carolina. Mr. Aston currently occupies the position of chairman at the Nazimon Suffolk Academy Association, Incorporated, and is the executive chairman for Town Bank. Mr. Aston also is on the board of Eastern Virginia Medical School Foundation and the Hampton Roads Community Foundation. Bob previously held the position of President and Chief Executive Officer at Citizens Trust Bank. He was President of Virginia Sports Hall of Fame Incorporated and was President and Chief Executive Officer at Branch Banking and Trust Company of Virginia, as well as served as President and CEO of BBNT Virginia. We are very excited to have Mr. Aston join us today. So um, I've heard some of your story as a, since I'm a member of the, uh, the board of Town Bank here in Greenville, North Carolina. So I've heard some of your story and of course I've had the opportunity, the wonderful privilege of, of meeting you. But I would like for you to please tell our, tell our audience um, a bit about your story and how you got started because it's, it's quite interesting and fascinating. Well, I guess uh, I, I, I got here by a very uh, unusual route, that's, that's for sure. Uh, I guess when, uh, uh, from a business perspective, I kind of got my start in life with my uh, paper route, as most kids did back when I was growing up. And uh, so from that, uh, from that viewpoint, I used, to, uh, I used to say that I, was a, I had a partner, and my partner was Landmark Communications, and that they... Uh, that they hired the reporters and wrote the stories and printed the paper. And my simple job was just to get it delivered. So yes. I said they, that my first partnership was with uh, Landmark Communications in a, in a uh, security sense anyway. And, uh, but, uh, but I think from that, you know, you, you had an opportunity to, uh, to learn from, uh, uh, from that exercise. And certainly the business principles of, uh, having to pay for those papers each week and having to collect enough money each week to pay for those papers and mm -hmm. hopefully have a little something left over at the end of the end of the week uh, uh, was a learning experience. But, um, but I guess thinking about how uh, I got started in the banking business, uh, we had, uh, my uh, stepfather was uh, uh, in the Navy and, uh, and we uh, came to Portsmouth after he was injured uh, on a ship over in Scotland. And, uh, and, uh, and that's how I kind of ended up uh, in Portsmouth and at uh, what was then Craddock High School. And uh, so when I was a senior in high school, I was in what was at that time was called the Vocational Office Training Program. And, uh, and it, was a, it was in the business department at the high school, which I'm not even sure they have those anymore, mm -hmm. but that we did at that time. And so uh, part of that, uh, program was was to um, uh, essentially uh, work in the afternoons after school in uh, a job that uh, for the most part the school found for you 
And so I ended up uh, with uh, getting a job at a small bank in, in uh, Portsmouth called Citizens Trust Company. And uh, so I would, uh, with my 15 cents, I would get on the bus each day and ride to downtown Portsmouth to, uh, to my new job. And um, I think I was making a dollar and 15 cents an hour, as I recall. Mm. And, uh, and that job really was uh, doing whatever they told me to do, whether it was uh, going and getting coffee for the uh, uh, big people in the bank or whether it was uh, <laughs> filing checks or was doing the mail or whatever, whatever it was. And so it was, it was interesting from the perspective that um, because the bank was very small uh, and I think we only had about 30 employees and so they were willing to let you do virtually anything that uh, you were willing to do, and they would teach you how to do it because it was there was not a not a huge army of people there. And so, from that, I had the opportunity to um, learn a lot of things at a very at a very early age. And uh, so, here I am now, fifty seven years later. I never left the bank. Right. Uh, I, I didn't go to college. I, I stayed. Uh, stayed at the bank. Uh, I think I became an officer of the bank when I was 22 years old mm. and uh, ultimately became president of the bank when I was 36 years old. So um, so I had a very, uh, very different route uh, mm -hmm. uh, in the uh, my professional career than, than most uh, folks uh, ever have the opportunity to do. So I was, to this day, I'm very grateful for uh, what the folks at the high school did for me back in those days, uh, even though maybe at the time I didn't had no idea where that might lead, but uh, but obviously has uh, uh, been a, a important part of uh, who and what I am today uh, was just first having that opportunity to do that. So that's kind of how I got from uh, from that uh, what was a ten billion dollar bank or ten million dollar bank I should say to now sixteen billion dollar bank. Uh, right. Uh, and uh, and uh, I guess the uh, message here is that a uh, dollar fifteen cents an hour was a pretty pretty yes. low wage uh -huh. even back then. <laughs> uh, but uh, but at the end of the day, uh, if you, I think the message uh, for uh, students in particular is is get your get a foot in the door and get in the get inside the room right. and uh, and then the rest is up to you at that point. Yes, indeed. And then you um, you co-founded. Um, Town Bank. No, I, I did, uh, and uh, that's been. Uh, we started in uh, uh, started in the summer of '98 and opened in uh, uh, the spring of '99. And and, and I, I think if I remember correctly, you started that, or you all started that in a, in, in in your garage or in your back somewhere I, in your I, house. I did. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, uh, we. Uh, started in my garage next door to my house. I had, uh, I guess initially there were three of us and then over the uh, period of time while we were in organization, we uh, we grew to about 20 folks working out of that garage. And uh, uh, I, I used to think that uh, if the police department were to come by my house and find all those telephone lines going into a residential <laughs> garage, they would think we were running some kind of illegal activity in there. <laughs> Much less that wouldn't be thinking we were running a bank. That's yes. Sure. And, uh, but it's about a it's about a uh, 
about a nine-month process to, uh, you know, go through the regulatory uh, hurdles to uh, get a bank charter. So from June of 28 through April was uh, uh, getting that done and then getting prepared to uh, to open the bank in the spring, spring mm -hmm. of 19. And uh, so it's been a, a pretty fascinating journey, and, mm -hmm. and we had um, uh, a lot of uh, community support along the way. Uh, we had uh, started with about 4,000 shareholders, which is an unbelievable number, uh, raised about $50 million, and it was all raised in the local community, and it was, and it was not dominated by any really large investors. It was just uh, uh, regular folks in the community that thought it was important to uh, have the bank, and, uh, and they put their money up and gave us the opportunity to uh, you know, create uh, – uh, what we have today uh, so it uh, was a very humbling experience to uh, we ran one ad in the newspaper to say what we were doing and uh, within two weeks uh, 50 million dollars had been uh, wow. had been mailed into us and so uh, uh, so I guess somewhere along the way we had accumulated some friends yeah I was about to say that so mr. Aston so so yes, it took community um, people who were committed to this and wanting to start this um, this community bank, but it there had to they had to be some trust and credibility with you and your partner partners for them to do that and to be able to raise that kind of money within a short period of time within two weeks. So um, so you I'm assuming then that you had some very strong relationships. You had some within the community that you had ex exhibited some trust. So as a leader, and whether you, you know, you, you don that title or not, but as a leader, how were you, how did you um, create those relationships and that trust so people felt comfortable enough uh, investing in this idea? Well, I think that, uh, you know, uh, between the three of us uh, that got started, we had been, uh, in, at, at that point in time, had been in the banking business, in the community for, I guess, uh, something uh, around 30 years or so. And and we had all come up um, kind of on the lending side of the bank. And obviously, when you're on that side of the bank, you're you're meeting and, and handling the financial needs of a lot of, lot of folks. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think it was just kind of a cumulative effect over time. Uh, I think that uh, culturally, uh, you know, it was a situation where I think that when we compared what we were trying to do to to maybe what the the large uh, mega banks do today, uh, you know, those companies by virtue of size, uh, they they tend to, while obviously are very successful, they they tend to have to be uh, sort of systemically driven, if you will, in order to have the proper controls and management processes in place and so the relationship uh, piece of it um, is just not as easy to pull off in a, a bank that's operating across multiple states uh, as it is when you are as localized as you know as what we were here so mm -hmm. so I think that um, uh, and, and I guess we we had sort of the uh, idea too that um, that one of the most important things was to build and create a strong sense of belonging for the folks that chose to 
uh, invest with us, chose to bank with us, and obviously those that chose to, to work alongside of us as well because uh, we just think that human nature being what it is, we all like to feel uh, like we belong. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think I, I use this analogy often with folks. Uh, you know, we've all been into businesses that uh, that when you went in, uh, you somehow didn't feel like you belonged there, uh, and uh, and and maybe maybe it was nothing that anyone said. It was just their uh, their glance, mm -hmm. their body language, uh, whatever it may have been. And most of us, uh, as uh, human beings, we probably don't go back to those places if we can avoid them. Yes, you know? that's and right. So, and so, uh, so I think that, that that's a strong premise for the culture of the company. And then the other thing uh, is sort of having a greater purpose in what you're doing. I mean, certainly we were in the banking business, but, um, but, but our real goal was to, was to build a great community asset. Mm -hmm. yes. and, and it wasn't about, uh, uh, you know, a particular size. It wasn't about a uh, certain amount of money. It, it, it was about none of that, really. It was about how can we how can we use the business to better the community at right. the end of the day. And uh, so that certainly has led to uh, you know our philanthropic uh, philosophy and, mm -hmm. and what we put back into all the communities that we serve. And uh, and it's a very uh, you know, important part of our DNA. Yeah. And, uh, and we started that from day one, even when we were not really making any money the first, uh, you know, first few months we voted. Right. So I think that all, all of that sort of combined to, um, uh, I guess some people like to say that we're a bit of a cult, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, it was really just, just uh, reaching out and, and having people feel like bank was important to right them. okay and, and, and that they were important and that they were important to us you mm -hmm. know and so uh, so okay. it uh, it uh, is a uh, unusual story I, I don't yes. think many companies that the, the culture of our company is not one that's easily replicated that's and, true uh, very true and uh, and it's uh, and fortunately we had the uh, experience from our past to to guide how we wanted to shape this company and what we wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. yep. And uh, so uh, it's easier to do that if you're starting something from scratch because you're not having to, you know, you're not having to change the culture. You're, right. You're creating yep. the culture. And, and you continue and, to cultivate that culture. Yeah. And, yep. uh, and I keep, you know, I keep, uh, uh, I keep a number of books in my office that are on my bookshelf that I that basically see every single day. And, um, and that those books basically sort of define kind of who and what we are from a from a uh, branding perspective. And uh, uh, there, there's a couple of books. One called "Hug Your People." There's one called "Hug Your Customers," uh, and and those are uh, have sort of set the tone for what how we believe in serving people. Uh, there's one called "The Disney Touch," oh, yeah. which is which is uh, centered around uh, uh, creating uh, uh, a place that, uh, number one, is a happy place. Mm -hmm. uh, number two, uh, the, the Disney likes to say that uh, everything starts with the setting, if you will, and, 
and when you get off the monorail at Disney World, everything's beautiful. The grass is trimmed. There's no there's no trash on the ground. There's so you know so all of our buildings and the way we manage things are, are managed within that concept. Uh, and then there's a book called The New Gold Standard, which is uh, which is uh, uh, about the story of Ritz Carlton, and that's really centered more around uh, customer service and uh, and what that what that standard is and what it needs to be each, each and every day. And uh, so those, those uh, four books in particular kind of kind of build a framework uh, for, uh, I'll call it the soft side of who and what we are, mm-hmm. that, uh, that in effect has created the hard side, which means it's created the business. Right. Uh, and, uh, and then I keep, I keep another book there that is, designed to keep you humble and uh, that's a book by Jim Collins that says how the mighty fall oh yes uh, and so uh, so that's the humility book <laughs> to uh-huh. say, say here's, all, here's all the things you don't want to do yes <laughs> uh, you know and so uh, so those, those things have kind of you know helped okay. to, to, uh, to shape uh, shape the culture and and you know what we uh, you know what we do um, I think you know from a leadership perspective um, I, I'm, I guess, sort of an outlier in the sense that while I think you can certainly learn from others that are in the business you're in, um, I've never believed in play and follow the leader. I don't really mm. particularly care what the other companies are doing. Um, I want them to care a lot about what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> I, want, okay. I, want, I want to be their most feared competitor at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I want them to say, you know, when when they know town bank is called on one of their one of their customers i want that i want that to strike fear in their hearts yes <laughs> so, indeed so, uh-huh so uh so so we really don't you know really don't believe in following the leader I, you know we just kind of do it our own way and and uh, uh and if we make a mistake we we learn from it and move on to something else but i think that you know to do that i think you have to think about that and then and the fact that you do have to think about how you learn something every day, mm-hmm. and uh, and I guess what I try to do is I try to look at businesses that are not not banking businesses. I, it really doesn't matter what type of business it is. I like to look at what they're being uh, how they're being successful at doing whatever they're doing, and what are, what are the things that they're doing to make themselves successful that I maybe can adapt to the banking business that others maybe haven't thought about adapting to the banking business. And so, uh, so I tend to look more at uh, companies like Disney and Ritz Carlton and those types of companies to say, well, you know, how, how could I take something I saw at Disney world and figure out how I might use that in some way in the bank that will help distinguish us from, from our competition. And uh, so, um, so we go about things in a, you know, uh, sort of a different way, if you will. Uh-huh. But uh, you, you've definitely set a mark. Uh, and I'm sorry. Go ahead. You've definitely set a mark, and you're unique in how you lead and how you, what the culture of the bank is. So that's that's very impressive. So how do how did how what would you say has been um, one of your one of your biggest challenges um, as as a leader then or now in in the various roles that you've had? And what did you learn from that? You've already talked about learning from the, some of the things that don't go well, but what was the challenge, and what did you learn from it? Well, I think that I think that uh, 
in leadership, you, you're, you know, you're learning something every day. But I, I guess at, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, I think about leadership in a maybe again a somewhat different way than others might. Uh, you know, when uh, if you if you think about the word uh, leader, lead, you, you think about somebody that's uh, you know that's that's out in front. You know, it's, if we're if we're leading the football game, we're you know we're out in front. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, I tend to think about leadership more uh, from sort of walking behind uh, uh, our, our team and our people, and and how to in uh, in walking behind you you see everything that's in front of you, which is really the most important thing, and that that's the people that you've surrounded yourself with, and 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 by being able to see that, you you see when to provide inspiration, you see. You see when to pick somebody up when they're down. Um, you, you, you see everything that's happening in front of you, and so I, I think about leadership as being, you know, from the rear and not from the front, except for when a fire breaks out. And and I use that word loosely, but when a fire breaks out and there's a big problem, you have to lead from the front because you have to be the you have to be the one running to the trouble and Correct. not uh, and not pushing your people into into. And so, so, um, so I think is, you know, those are things I think, you know, I've learned along the way. Um, I think I mentioned to you when, uh, uh, I became president of the bank when I was 36 years old, mm-hmm. which, uh, uh, at that age and with no, uh, uh formal education, yeah. at least at the, the college level uh-huh. was, 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 um, something pretty different in, in today's world, yeah. but I had a great, um, Mentor during those all those years, mm-hmm. and uh, and so he uh, called me into his office when uh, I think I was about twenty six years old, twenty seven years old, and uh, he said to me, uh, he he was complimenting me on something I had done, and so he said, well, "Son," he said, "You have the ability to be president of this bank one day," and. Uh, mm-hmm. Like most twenty-six years old, I'm thinking, well, okay, well, that's great. When do we when we get started on that? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> but but he said, here, he said, let me tell you how this is going to work. He said, he said, what's going to happen? He said, you know, most people think that the board of directors can elect you as a president. He said, he said they can elect you as a president because that's a formality. He said, but they can't make you the president. He said, and the way that you're going to become president is that when everybody in this company is following you, mm-hmm. I'll know that, and that'll be the time you be the president. Mm-hmm. And so I guess his, his message was that, you know, you can think of yourself as being a big, bold leader, and you're out in front, and you're very self-important and so forth, but if nobody will follow you anywhere, right. uh, you, you're not going to be very successful. Uh-huh. And so I think that idea of followership uh, uh, was was the thing, and I remember leaving his office that day and thinking, well, "How in the world am I supposed to do that?" And uh, and I, and I think the real message was that uh, that I might not even realize I was doing that, but he would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, and so and so that was uh, that was uh, I guess maybe uh, a big learning experience for me at a, at a at an early age, and uh, and one that uh, you know had stayed stayed with me all these those years mm-hmm. and uh and i think that uh, you know from a uh, a lot of that too is is not 
uh, I guess particularly coming up in the company and a lot of different jobs, uh, you know, I, I had the good fortune of at one point I could probably do just about any job in the company. I don't know that that's necessarily true today because <laughs> a lot of things have changed. But but I think the idea is that um, that no job is more important than any other job because um, it's it's sort of like a, a football team. You know, the the, uh, the the right guard he doesn't get a lot of attention unless he fails to make a block. Right? You know, right. he doesn't that's get right. his name mentioned on every play. And, uh -huh. and it's the same way in business. And so. It really is a you know a, a team uh, a team effort and uh, and I think leading leading by example and meaning meaning that no job is too big or too small and and it's and no person is too big or too small to do that job mm -hmm. and uh, so I think that those are things that uh, over the years you know I learned uh, as as time time went on and and uh, and I guess the old saying about you know leaders. Uh, always eat last, you mm -hmm. know, and so uh, you, you can't be at the front of the front of the line. You need to be at the back of the line, and mm -hmm. uh, so those are all subtle things, but they're things that over time uh, build trust among parties. So that, and I think you can't really lead people if if you uh, if they don't trust you. And, right. and I think trust sometimes can be a little bit of a little bit of an overused word, but I think maybe a a better word is is sincerity and people recognizing that um, that you're sincere about what you're doing and you're not doing it for some ulterior motive or some uh, side agenda you you're just approaching each day in a in a truthful and honest way that uh, that has a connotation of sincerity and, and people see that and yeah. uh, uh, and you can't uh, you can't teach that in a uh, couple of years of a training program you know <laughs> it takes a it takes a while to do that but and people so know it, it and people can see the sincerity or or in the genuineness and, and, and the disingenuineness as well no I, I think that I think that's uh, I think that's absolutely true and and in our training program today um, you know we're I guess we're kind of uh, using a uh, I'll call it old school approach in our training program, but I but we tried it different ways, and I'm convinced that the old school approach is the best way, and that is that our new program is a is a three year leadership program, and uh, and the first 18 months of that program is really spent uh, uh, in six uh, 90 day sessions uh, in different uh, key uh, areas of the bank. Uh, and so that you're on the ground and learning how every every single function works, but more importantly, you're working alongside of those that that you might not think are are that important, but those are the people that will that will make you important one day if mm -hmm. you uh, handle yourself the right way. Right. And you know that during that during that 18 month period, you figure out real quickly uh, which folks have. Uh, uh, and I'm speaking now of our, our trainees, you figure out very clearly uh, which ones are going to move ahead quickly because when it's time to go to that next rotation, the department uh, head is, is calling us wanting to know if that person can stay longer. Uh -huh. um, and, and the flip side of it is that uh, uh, if, uh, if they're not doing so well in there, then, uh, 
then they're calling me wanting to know uh, when, when, when we might uh, move that person. <laughs> and so, so it's, uh, so I think that, uh, I think learning that every, that helps them understand too, that every job is important, even though that job may seem small Correct. And, and maybe trivial. And, and, but if, uh, if that person fails to put your order in for your new debit card and the customer, mm-hmm. you don't get your debit card for two weeks, then you're not, you're not very happy. Right. right so, that's right. So no matter what I did in my office that day, I have an unhappy customer because uh, because mm-hmm. we failed at a very basic level to do something we should have done uh, uh, very you know very easily. So so I think that's a big part of that training, and, and of course we've got uh, different leadership classes and mm-hmm. so forth they're taking during that period of, period of time as well. But mm-hmm. our our goal is to is to is to have them see the value in what everybody does. And, and, and there's also uh, value in them learning uh, the business that way, too, because they're learning it from the ground up mm-hmm. as opposed to doing it strictly uh, uh, maybe more classroom-oriented uh, as, as the way we were, were doing, it one, right. doing it one time. Yeah, so you get the practical aspect. So let's, let's stay on that for a second, you know, and let's talk about the next generation of leaders uh, be they for the bank in the banking banking industry or in or just in general, regardless of the discipline in the field, um, what do you think of our um, what are the what are the keys to developing our next generation of leaders? Uh, what do they need to be ready to do? Well, I think uh, I, I think there are probably several, several things. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I what I haven't said is that I've also spent uh, my my part-time job in life has has always been a coach and ah, so okay. i've coached uh, uh girls and boys i've coached football i've coached basketball i've coached softball i've coached baseball and i've done that uh, all of my life really up until i guess i my last team i coached was back two years ago and, and i'm 74 years old now so i've done it for, <laughs> done it for a long time um and and i think that uh, one of one of the big challenges today is is uh, and what I've seen evolve over time, and and some of this has to do with uh, uh, I guess uh, parental matters, but but um, but first and foremost is taking personal responsibility for what uh, for what you're doing. Uh, that everything in life that happens to you uh, didn't happen because someone else did it; it's because you did it <laughs> for mm-hmm. better or, for better or for worse. And I've seen that sort of uh, shift over the years, uh, and uh, uh, it's uh, it's something that I think is really important because because once you come into the workplace, uh, you know I can't blame the, the problem I've got today. I can't blame that on Johnny. You know Johnny didn't mm-hmm. do that. I, I'm responsible for that. And even if Johnny did it, I'm still responsible for it mm-hmm. because it's because it's it's my job to be responsible. Right. For it. So whatever happens in this company, no matter what it is, I'm responsible. And uh, and so I think that personal responsibility is is really really important. And if there's any one thing that should be built upon in the leadership programs in the university today, is that uh, is 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 that uh, uh, personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. The other the other thing I usually uh, say in the orientation classes with uh, with our uh, young management associates who come in is this this idea of uh, work-life balance that is so popular today um, <laughs> uh, it doesn't exist I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know uh, 
work-life balance is a moving target. Uh, okay. You know, it's not, uh, you know, it, it, I can't do everything I want to do at four o'clock each day. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and some have that expectation, you know, that everything will be programmed out and, and, um, and, uh, you know, I see life balance is sort of like a seesaw, you know, some days you're up, some days you're down and, uh, and it's, and it's, uh, and, make up for it so I, I think about all the days of and all the hours I put into to coaching well during the spring uh, and early summer season with baseball I mean I we were either practicing and playing every day and uh, and I made practice every day mm -hmm. but that did but it didn't mean that I wasn't working uh, uh, the next Saturday or Sunday to uh, to uh, catch up with what I did get done uh, by the time I was out on the baseball field right. and uh, I think that uh, uh, you know my uh, one of my daughters. She played basketball at Old Dominion back in the day, and and uh, and they played a, a national schedule then. And uh, and so whether she was in uh, California, she was in Texas, or she was in Notre Dame, wherever she was, I never missed a game. Oh, and but I spent a lot of red eye flights and. It wasn't unusual for me to be here in my office at three in the morning uh, because I got to catch up mm -hmm. for those hours that I, you know, uh, followed her around. Uh -huh. So, so I think that that uh, idea of life work balance is you have to you have to balance that out, but it's not balanced out every day. You know? <laughs> it's, uh, uh, and and there is a sometimes an expectation that's you know that that's the way it is. And, mm -hmm. uh, so I think when with young folks, that's what I try to enforce upon them. And, and every day is not a day you're going to get raised, and every day is not a day you're going to get praised. Uh, <laughs> and every day, and every day is not a day you're going to win a trophy. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, it's just not uh, that's just not the real not right. the real world. And uh, so I think that uh, you know I'm, I'm kind of a big believer in uh, I, I'm certain we certainly. Uh, believe in patting somebody on the back mm -hmm. for, for making a good effort at something, but they don't get the trophy based on effort. They get the trophy based on winning. On results. And so, <laughs> and, and so it's, uh, uh, and winning can be defined obviously a lot of different uh -huh. ways in the That's workplace. Right. But, but I think, but I think those are, those are important things. I think for young folks to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and like I said, I can, you know, we'll know with, we'll know within usually that 18 month, uh, training program we'll, we'll know within the first uh, uh, 90 days uh, where somebody's going to be at the end of that program mm -hmm. just based on the feedback we get and uh, how they interact with others nobody expects them to know anything particularly when they go in the department but but <laughs> if they go in that department thinking well I'm here so, and I'm going to be a manager and I'm in a management associate program and you're just a little Susie over there doing uh -huh. whatever you do they're going to fail, right. you know, they, mm -hmm. they won't, it won't work. So, so yeah. I think those are things that, uh, I think there's a good, good message for right. young people who want to move Thank up. You. And I think, and I think those that have played athletics mm -hmm. do get that because, Correct. because not everybody gets to be the starting shortstop on the baseball team, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so That's we right. Only need one, we only need one of those on the field. <laughs> right? So, so and and, I, and and that helps you learn that. I mean, it's not always fun, you know. If you're the guy not playing, you're the guy yeah. sitting. It's not yeah. fun, but but within the context of, of what's best for the team, um, you know, everybody's everybody has a role, and uh, so I think those those are important.
important okay. traits, I think. People. Yeah. I talk a lot to people about uh, work-life harmony as opposed to balance for that very reason you talked about and that you know, it's, the balance is not every day. And, 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 and we as an, each individual, I think, has to define what balance or harmony means because uh, sure. it's not the same for everybody. So thank you. Well, well I, and, and I would say this too. I mean, I, I think that one of the things I'm deeply appreciative of uh, uh, when I look across our company, uh, uh, our female workforce. I mean, the, you know, the, the females, whether we like it or not, I mean, they carry they carry an extra burden in mm -hmm. that process because, right. you know, they're expected to have dinner at home tonight. Mm -hmm. They're expected to get the clothes done. They're That's expected right. to, you know, get the kids to do their homework and they're expected to, you know, do their job at the company. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I find that, uh, you know, for the most part, I find that uh, uh, compared to us males, the females are usually far more organized, <laughs> and, and because they have a lot to do each day, yes. and most of the time they're very good multitaskers because they always have multitasks they're doing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and all of us uh, males, you know, we've got our checklist, and we're gonna <laughs> check off one, and we're gonna check off two, and uh, and some of my best. Uh, uh, female managers here, you know, they're doing 49 things at once and getting them all done. You know, <laughs> so, so I, you know, I have a deep appreciation for what, uh, for their ability to uh, prioritize yeah. and find balance in their life because, yeah. because, uh, uh, as, as particularly as a mother, uh, you know, their, their, their balance is 24 seven, you know, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not just when they come to work each day. And, uh, so it's, uh, it, it, it is kind of what you, what you make of it, and uh, and I think uh, my view is that uh, if you enjoy those things that make up that uh, lack of balance, mm -hmm. then you really never feel about lack lack That's of balance. True. You enjoy doing all of them. You're That's just trying true. to figure out how to fit them all in. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's very true, actually. So, so since you brought it up, let's talk a bit about the um, the gender piece here in leadership, and you know, um, what if you know. How have you seen, or what's your what's your concept in regards to women and women in in leadership roles? Uh, you know, there's always this talk about there's a glass ceiling for women, or that women have to do things, you know, five times as much, or 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 not be paid as much for the same work. How do how would you advise women to go about one going for those leadership positions, exhibiting strong leadership skills, but then how do they help to negotiate for themselves along the way? Well, I, I think that, uh, I think that when I, uh, we all uh, learn from the things that, things that we've been exposed to, and mm -hmm. there's an old saying about, we only know the world as we have seen the world, right? That's right. And that tends to shape our belief system and our behaviors and other things. Uh, but I, but I know mentioning going back to the first bank that I, I started with, uh, the uh, lady that, that hired me there, uh, she was clearly the clearly the brightest, most competent person in the company, mm -hmm. uh, and sh she could do anything, and uh, she had great people skills, she had great technical skills, uh, she was a great teacher, she was a great mentor, she was all of those things. And everybody there that worked there knew she was, uh, she was it, you know, she, she had it all. And uh, so fast forward, uh, you know, I guess maybe I've been there, I was guess it was probably seven or eight years, our CEO was, was getting ready to retire. And so they were going to name a new uh, CEO. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so uh, 
she didn't get the job. Um, well, they recruited a male uh, mm. manager from out of state and brought him in to, to the bank. Mm-hmm. And so I always felt like, well, that was uh, just not the right thing. And, and I asked one of uh, the directors who I had a uh, somewhat of a personal relationship with, I said, you know, why, why was she not considered for this job? And he said, well, he said, everybody recognized she was really, really very gifted and, and probably the one that uh, should have that job, but, uh, but they just couldn't see putting a woman in that job. Wow. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, uh, that's not the way it ought to be. Yeah. And so, uh, so I guess I've always been super conscious about mm-hmm. that uh, relative to uh, looking at the talent levels of our uh, female executives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, uh, so I think that uh, what, uh, what we've tried to do with, as a company is, number one, uh, we've, we've had uh, females in very meaningful management jobs from day one. Um, but some of the younger ones that were, uh, you know, were pretty young when they started with us, virtually, virtually all of that initial group that we had of, of about 90 employees, I mean, virtually every one of those folks have ended up in an in a executive management role of some type in, in this okay. company. And so I think that, uh, I, I think that as, um, as a female, and, and, the, and the world has changed mm-hmm. where that's concerned. I mean, keep True. in mind, this was probably in the... Uh, the story I'm telling you was in the seventies. Uh, and, uh, but it was real. I mean, that, right. that glass ceiling was real. And, uh, uh, and, uh, th- there were not a lot of female bank officers back at that time. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, they used to have a, uh, an organization called the national association of bank women, uh, which, which, uh, this lady that hired me was actually the president of at one time, uh, but the reason they had that was they weren't able to go to the uh, ABA meetings because they didn't allow the women there. Wow. wow. And, uh, and this was in the 70s? Uh, in the 70s, yeah. Wow. And uh, so, uh, so that organization flourished for a number of years, and its goal, obviously, was to, was to uh, try to change that uh, and, and do it within a banking context, of mm-hmm. course. But uh, uh, I can remember... Uh, there used to be a women's chamber of commerce here in, uh, in Portsmouth, uh, that was, uh, the women's division of the chamber of commerce because women were not allowed to be on the chamber of commerce board. Mm-hmm. So, so I, you know, I've seen all those things. And, uh, so I was just determined here that was, you know, that was not going, you know, that was not going to happen. And, and, uh, and, and some of my, you know, very best people in this company today and, Including some that have now retired, uh, you know they they uh, they prop me up. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, yeah. I mean they carried me during during right. the days. Uh-huh. And, uh, so uh, so, but I but I think today that uh, young women sh- should not. I mean our our uh, management uh, uh, development program is is about fifty fifty male and female, and uh, I do think that that. Um, that women still have a somewhat of a, a, an uphill challenge from the viewpoint of trying to be uh, raise a family and mm-hmm. and, uh, and be in a job. It's not easy, you know, and mm-hmm. and that ability to somehow find a way to balance all of those things is, is important. And and unfortunately, 
childbearing years kind of they kind of come along during the yeah. during the age span when when you uh, you know when that's kind of the time people start to make progress exactly in careers, you know and yeah. and uh, so you know we try to be you know considerate of that and and we and we also uh, you know we say to all of our managers look you know if if uh, if your uh, all of our employees really if is you know if, if your child has a play at school this morning we expect you to be to play at school you know <laughs> there you go a game and we expect you to be there you mm-hmm. know we'll figure out we'll figure out how to cover for that o- over time and uh, always jokingly say that uh, you know uh, bank meetings are like soap operas you know you can miss all the meetings from about four years and you come back in and <laughs> 10 minutes you catch them back up <laughs> <laughs> That's a great analogy. <laughs> Think about it in your own job. <laughs> yes, indeed, actually. <laughs> the, the things you were debating and, and arguing about five years ago, you probably still think oh, still, still so, have the same discussion. <laughs> so true, so true, so true. <laughs> yes, that was good. I like that one. I'm going to use that one. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's a good one. And the bigger the organization gets, the worse that gets. Yes, indeed. Yes, I I couldn't agree more. There are meetings to call when the next meeting is going to be. And meetings to prepare for that next meeting. Exactly. Yes. So it is, it's obvious that at least if I'm, what I, as I listen to you and what I know about you, that there are some important values for you. Um, and one of those is the, this notion of team and teamwork and the team being a family and, and then of course being very community focused um, and, and, and making sure that you're treating people in the proper way. Um, how, how no, I know you're no longer CEO, but how do you make sure that those, that the mission, the vision, the values uh, and the culture of of your organization continues to flow uh, throughout the organization, regardless of where of the location. Well, I think that you know it, it, today it's 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 obviously more difficult when you're you're spread out mm-hmm. over a larger footprint. Uh, you know, one of the great things about uh, growing up in a small bank, as I did, that you know you you saw the leaders every day. You know, right. so you if nothing else, you just uh, just watch what they do and do that right mm-hmm. and so uh, and so that gets to be uh you know a little bit more challenging as, as you get bigger but uh but we do uh we do uh, i think a great job with uh, orientation when we bring folks in uh one of the things that that uh that we try to strive for and and obviously you don't always hit the mark but we try to strive to hire uh, givers and not takers Mm, and uh and i know that's a a little bit of a strange uh thought process but but here's the here's the view on that that people people that are 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 naturally inclined to be givers uh, those those folks are internally satisfied and, and 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 thrive off of helping other people be successful uh, and helping other people with their problems. Uh, the customer service, for example, you don't have to train those people on the idea of quote customer service because mm-hmm. because they go through life wanting to please mm-hmm. other people, mm-hmm. and and they're internally gratified every time they do that. 
which makes their job very rewarding to them in terms of what they do each day. And if we think about uh, people that are more takers than givers, uh, first and foremost, you can't get a raise every day. So if you're only motivated <laughs> by money, you'll only probably have maybe one day a year you're going to be gratified, yes, right? Yes, yes. And, uh, and so that's not a very, uh, you know, the person that is inclined to be that way, they, they won't be very successful here. And uh, so, so to your point, we try to we try to recruit people as best we can determine based on testing and so forth. We do. We try to determine who who, who are the givers and who are the takers, and and we prefer to hire givers uh, mm-hmm. where at all possible, and particularly in those jobs that are that are front facing uh, that that people uh, you know interacting with our uh, bank customers each day. So, uh, so I think that's it. Starts with that in terms of uh, in terms of what we do in in orientation, and then we try to embed that in all of our other training that we do, whether it's specific uh, product training or regulatory training or things that, that are, uh, I'll call it routine training that we have to do, you know, uh, with virtually everybody over the course of a year. Uh, and then we expect our obviously our leaders in. Uh, whatever uh, office they may be located in, to to carry the flag and to and to set the standard for what uh, for what we uh, expect from that viewpoint, and and we also like to hire uh, folks in those leadership roles that that just like helping people, mm-hmm. and uh, and they kind of come in the category of being being givers, and yeah. uh, so if I think about our leadership there in. Uh, uh, in, in your town, uh, you know, we've got some great folks there oh, yeah. and that, and, and, and it's, and it's built around that at mm-hmm. the end of the day. I mean, they, they really love what they do, you know, and they love, uh, doing things in the community. They love trying to, to help people. And so, uh, so I think that's, uh, that's probably the main, uh, the main thing, but it, but it does get to be a little more challenging when they don't have as much, uh, they don't have as quite as much exposure to uh, particularly the, the leadership at the corporate level uh, each day, but uh, certainly uh, uh, we've got good leaders in each mm-hmm. each of uh, the communities we're in, and we expect them to you know to uh, carry the torch on that, if you will. Yes. Okay. Thank you. So as we begin to uh, to wrap up here, I wanted to ask you, you know, you've done such great work uh, in within the, the world of banking, but also within the community, uh, the various communities. So uh, what do you see your legacy or what would you like, like for folks to, to remember you and what your legacy is as a business leader? Well, that's a, you know, tough question of what to write on your tombstone, I guess. <laughs> but... but uh, but I, I, but I think at the end of the day, I think that uh, uh, that uh, if if it was to say that uh, I spent my life helping other people be successful, uh, I think that's uh, sort of the ultimate prize, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really uh, that's really what I do as a uh, as the chairman of the bank. What I did as CEO is what I do when I'm coaching teams. Is, is the goal is to you know, how, how, how do I help them be successful? And, uh, and, and do I enjoy doing that? And the answer to that is yes, you know, very much so. And, uh, so it's, uh, so I think that, uh, it's not so much about, uh, uh the bank or 
but uh, but I do think about all the people that uh, that uh, we've helped along the way, whether it was whether it was by lending them money, whether it was by working with them on the in the tough periods when they didn't have money, or whether it was uh, giving them a job when they didn't have a job, or, or whether it's coaching them out on the uh, basketball court, or you know wherever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean that's 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 kind of what I do at, at the end of the day. Um, and uh, so that's that's sort of how I uh, see the world from Bob's viewpoint anyway. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Aston, for chatting with us and sharing some of your, your life story and some of your uh, leadership journey. Uh, we greatly appreciate it, and it has been a pleasure to engage with you this afternoon. Well, I appreciate appreciate the opportunity to be here, and I appreciate all the great things you do at East Carolina University. Thank you, Mr. Aston, for joining us today and for sharing your leadership story, the importance of doing it your way, learning from your mistakes, getting your foot in the door, and taking advantage of the opportunity. Thank you, Mr. Aston, for creating a sense of belonging at your banks, for creating a culture of family and support and for leading out in front, leading from behind, and leading from the side. We greatly appreciate all that you have done in um, developing strong leaders within the banking world. Thank you all for joining me and my guest, Robert Aston, today for Leadership Unscripted, Navigating Your Leadership Journey. Join me for the next episode as we continue the journey of becoming successful and effective leaders. Joining Dr. Virginia Hardy today for Leadership Unscripted, navigating your leadership journey. Are you looking to make the leap from your current role to a leadership position? Or you are a current leader looking to sharpen your edge? Join Dr. Virginia Hardy for new podcast episodes each month for more leadership content meant to inspire, empower, and influence your individual path on leadership development.